0: You're locked into JJ and Alex with the insight and analysis on the teams you can't live without Presented by G2G Bars This is 97.5 The KSL Sports Zone
1: Welcome back, everybody. It is 97.5, the Kissel Sports Zone. Alex Curie, Jeremiah Jensen, JJ and Alex on another afternoon right here with you. Uh, it is not what it used to be. The old, the uh, February signing day. Nonetheless, we still make Mitch Harper, our BYU insider, go to work and get some stuff done. And it's, that's exactly what he's been doing. So if you track anything that's going on, uh, BYU signing-wise, you've seen some announcements probably made out there on X and uh, who some of these players are here and there. Go to kslsports.com, uh, follow Mitch, read his byline. You'll get the up-to-date uh, situation there. Mitch Harper, what's up, Mitch? How you doing, man? Good,
0: guys. I've I, I always enjoyed signing day. It was uh, another uh, kind of eventful one, for, again, for BYU.
1: Well, tell us why, and, and I know that we we say this, we basically talk about it over the last few years, how this has become a totally different beast now that everybody kind of hits the, the early signing period is the big one now. So on a day like today, what were some of the moves that uh, were made that that absolutely BYU fans should be dialed into?
0: The, the biggest additions were the, the two Bay Area high school prospects, Naki Tuakoi and Sefa Akoila. Uh, both players out of Fremont uh, High School in the Oakland area two linebackers are going to join Justin Enna's linebacker unit. They could eventually become, you know, defensive ends at some point in their BYU careers. But these were, you know, power conference commits. Aquila was committed to Arizona and Tuiokia was uh, committed to Stanford. And it's just more reinforcements to a BYU defense that uh, was near the bottom nationally in generating a pass rush and, and generating sacks. And Jay Hill, you know, Kelly Papinga, Justin Enna, Sione Puha, general guilford they've done a really good job of you know bolstering the personnel on this defense and those two guys were were significant additions for byu they had kind of strange recruitments where they went dark for a while and you're wondering where where they're going to end up actually signing and they end up going to byu as a package deal and pretty big boom for for byu to to get them to close out this recruiting class of course transfer portal guy is also part of this class and they got a quarterback. It's no surprise. We've already talked about this at length, but Gary Bohannon officially part of this class, and you had a chance to talk to Gary. What did you learn about him today? Yeah, I talked to Bohannon extensively, quite a bit, and you know, kind of getting his perspective on what he's uh, expecting out of this going into BYU, and and you know, he acknowledged with his shoulder injury that, as he put it, it, it there were times where he was considering retiring from football. Uh, up until november last year so about three months ago is when he really felt like there was a chance to come back uh to playing college football and resuming his career but he did note that at stretches it was kind of like a child learning how to walk again (laughs) learning how to throw the football again he for a while he couldn't pick up a ball as he put it so uh but he was really impressed with byu and as he's noted uh, he wanted to get the opportunity. He told me that that NIL had no bearing. He wasn't worried about that. He just really wanted the chance to compete. And you know, Kalani Satake today noted that uh, you know they're they're not giving anything to any quarterback. And I think that's the right move because you look at the two times in Kalani Sitake's uh, you know tenure. Maybe you could say there's three times it's happened, but. Uh, You know, 2017-2023, those were the two seasons where there was no real debate at quarterback. It was Tanner Mangum in 17, it was 23, it was Keaton Slovis. Both those seasons uh, ended up in losing years. The other seasons, there's been, you know, maybe a manufactured quarterback battle. You know, the 2019, we all knew it was going to be Zach Wilson, but there was still that hey, Jaron Hall looked pretty good in spring ball. You know, he's pushing Zach. And same in 2016 when it was Taysom Hill and and Tanner Mangum. The two years where there hasn't been a debate uh, were the two disaster years for Kalani. So they want competition, and I think that competition is going to center around Jake Retzlaff and Gary Bohannon in spring with everyone else maybe just being a a, a distant third and in hopes of maybe them rising up the ladder and surprising people. But, uh, you know, Bohannon saying all the right things, and and we'll see if he can uh, produce. But, yeah, I mean, that shoulder injury, that was a torn labrum on his throwing arm. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how he performs.
1: Mitch Harper joining us here on JJ and Alex as we get you through uh, what today happened for BYU. And uh, at about 4 o'clock, or I guess 4.30, we're going to get... Jay Hill, BYU's defensive coordinator, of course, a huge part of that recruiting. How has the recruiting changed now that we've gotten a year under the belt of this particular defensive staff? Uh, obviously, you know Jay Hill is one of his calling cards is his ability to be able to to get guys to commit and to close out dudes. And so now that he has a year under his belt, how has Jay uh, affected the recruiting and what Kalani is now demanding of his coaches in terms of getting the best guys they can?
0: Well, they got the number one recruit in the state of Utah and that hasn't happened in a while for BYU. And I think that's a testament to, to Jay Hill, you know, getting Fala Santualla uh added to the mix. That's, that's a huge get. He's going to come in as a free safety for BYU. And I think he's someone that could very well play right away, even though they've got a, you know, pretty deep experienced safeties with all the injuries they had last year. A lot of guys got snaps and, you know, they feel pretty good about the numbers, but Satuala, he's big time. And, you know, you pair him up maybe with a Micah Harper at the strong safety position. That's a pretty good one-two punch at the at the safety spot. But I thought it was refreshing from Kalani Satake today uh, in his press conference, acknowledging that, you know, BYU can't just go for the guys that, you know, are, have to sell themselves to BYU. BYU's got to sell themselves. To recruit, I think for far too long, you know, the Bronco Mendenhall era and that stretches of the Kalani era, it's been, you know, you want guys that, you know, sell themselves to BYU. That just doesn't work in Power 5 football. It doesn't. I mean, yes, you want to have the kid that dreams of being at BYU because there's still value and there's still a spot for that kid to to perform and, you know, play at a high level at BYU. But you got to go in and, and get a Satwala who, you know, Utah wanted badly, who a lot of programs... You know, in the Big Ten, the Big 12, wanted. And he's coming to BYU. And, you know, I think BYU's defensive additions, you know, Sonny Tawala, he was someone I talked about with JJ in, in December. And, you know, Washington, Kalen DeBoer and that staff, they really wanted him before they left, obviously, for Alabama. But, you know, Sonny Tuell is a JUCO transfer defensive end. You know, I think can make a you know push to, for you know playing time against Zay Banya at that edge rusher spot. You know, he had a lot of opportunities from Big Ten programs down the stretch run this December. It's it's about winning those battles because I think that if you can get kids on or you know these guys on the the campus at BYU, you kind of show them the culture that Kalani's building. I think they they've done a pretty nice job at that, and I think but that's just been the challenge is actually. Getting them onto campus, I think the the Big Twelve piece, and also the selling uh, of of having the chance to have immediate playing time. Like I just look across the board in spring ball, and I don't see any position that you can say solidified. That guy is the number one. You know, maybe Tyler Batty, defensive end. Sure, he's probably going to be a guy. Uh, you know, Connor Pay. Is going to come back, Waylon Lopuwa. But I mean, aside from that, it's got to be competition across the board, and all these additions that they added, they're coming in with the thought process of, hey, they can go play right away on a schedule that you know features games against Utah, uh, against Oklahoma State, against Kansas. That's pretty exciting. I thought Falatau Satowala was the best overall player in this class and their best get. But I want to ask you, which player in this class, whether it's transfer portal or freshman? Or maybe it's a return missionary that will have the most immediate impact for the program in 2024 on the field. I do think it's Jack Kelly, the transfer from Weber State. I think he's a plug-and-play guy where you pair him up uh, in that linebacker unit with Ben Bywater, and I, I really like the personnel that BYU is building up at the linebacker position. Remember last year at this time, you know, with with Ben Bywater coming back from injury, and it's the same story for him again, but. Uh, that last spring it was very thin because Thule was out, Bywater was out, and it was just a bunch of freshmen. Now it's you're bringing Bywater back. Is still going to work his way back from the shoulder. Jack Kelly steps in, and I think he's another one of those guys that could be, you know, linebacker, edge rusher type that BYU likes in this four three scheme with Jay Hill. And then you bring back Harrison Tagger, who had some good snaps in relief of Ben Bywater last year you bring back Cialia Sara he's going to go into his sophomore year heralded kid the former four-star recruit out at of Timp View High School Ace Kafusi was one of the real bright spots down the final stretch of the season last year linebacker is building up and i think Jack Kelly's a kind of one of those those nice plug and play guys that really puts it over the top because they they lost a significant piece in, in AJ Vaughn who was kind of just the ultimate pro you know B he just went about his business did everything at a high level you know racked up 80 plus tackles for BYU that's what they need from Jack Kelly just kind of the consummate pro mature guy I think he brings that to BYU's linebacker unit with a group that already features Ben Bywater
1: Mitch Harper our BYU insider before we uh, let you go here that loss in Norman last night by uh, BYU uh, it was a tough one to watch that second half because it just seemed like there was no defense but Oklahoma just seemed to have BYU's number there uh, what does that do in terms of where this team is? I know that the AP poll sometimes doesn't really matter that much when it comes to like you know actual tournament bids, things like that. But uh, how does Mark Pope and his guys reset? Obviously Kansas State coming up, but uh, how do they how do they reset after a, a loss like that last night in Norman?
0: They did look pretty tired, I thought, and you know they they need to get healthy. This flu bug it's just been going through this team where Richie Saunders dealt with it, Trevin Nell. Ali Khalifa, even at the end of the bench, a guy like Townsend Triple, the walk-on, he didn't make the trip last night. So they're, they're just pretty, uh, just sick. They've been battling illness, and you, for their sake, you hope they can get healthy in, in short order because there's some real winnable games you would think coming up on the schedule. But I think that loss kind of highlighted that you know sometimes it's nice to you know have a, a team where on any given night you know seven different guys could be the guy, but sometimes you need that just. Bona fide star to carry a game, and BYU lacks that, and it showed last night when you look tired. It looks like it's been a long road trip. Uh, you know that th- that's kind of what stood out to me. I, I think that it's not going to hurt BYU in-, in terms of bracketology or things like that, but you, you do kind of you know is in that spot now where if they want to get to a 500 record in Big 12 play at nine and nine. You've got to protect the home court with five games remaining at home uh, because the road games, I don't care who they are, Oklahoma State all the way up to Kansas, the remaining games are going to be legacy members in the league that have been through you know, the gauntlet of this thing for decades. Uh, it'll be difficult to get any sort of road win. So home games become even bigger premium for BYU because as we know, with them being a team that doesn't play on Sundays, the quadrants are limited in that bracket, so you could drop a seed line or two, even though maybe your resume would say you should be a five seed. So uh, it was a it was a not- noteworthy loss, but BYU can definitely make up ground by protecting home court.
1: Mitch, we appreciate it, man. We're going to follow, of course, everything that goes on that you put out there on kslsports.com. We appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you again.
0: You bet, guys. Take care.
1: There you go. Thanks Mitch rogers Hans and Scotty on Monday are going to be noon to three at Jimmy's Flowers in Layton. You've got to figure it out uh, next week. Great time to do it. I've been into that store. It's beautiful. Get it set up for your Valentine's Day. Uh, but Hans and Scotty are going to be there. 2840 Hillfield Road uh, in Layton. Valentine's Day. you got to think flowers. When you think flowers, you got to think Jimmy's flowers. There you go.